Hey folks, you're listening to To Know the Land, broadcasting from the treaty territories in the Mississauga of the Credit on 93.3 FM at the University of Guelph. Maybe you're listening through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever else you listen to your podcast. It's a show about our connections with the land base, how we interact with the land, how we learn about the land, how we defend the land. My name is Byron Murray, and today I'm talking with Dorcas Miller, author of the book, the new book, Scat Finder, A Guide to Mammal Scat of Eastern North America, and many others, many other books, and founder of the Maine Master Naturalist Program. Uh, Dorcas, can you, can you introduce yourself? Sure. About 50 years ago, I took an Outward Bound course, and that experience changed my life. I, went, I stayed outdoors. I worked at Outward Bound programs and other alternative education programs that had outdoor components. I led month-long canoeing trips in Quebec and um, whitewater day-long trips here in Maine. I served as an environmental advocate with a state-level um, program. And then I wrote a lot of books, which included um, lots of outdoor and natural history. Then I founded, well, really, I, I asked three people to join me and together we founded up, um, Maine Master Naturalist, whose goal is to teach adult, adult outdoor skills and, excuse me, natural history skills so that they can go back into their communities and teach it as volunteers. So it's this big ripple effect. After that, um, well, it's not after that, I'm just no longer on the board, I still teach. But I also worked um, helping to start a group called Upstream, which is working to reestablish uh, sea run fish, like alewives, into a quite a large watershed that has been uh, uh, barricaded by dams for 200 years. That's kind of the big picture. Oh, yeah, just lots of writing in between. I was publication director, and I worked for a publisher and um, for another organization. I, I feel like uh, your impact extends beyond those words. Like, I, I'm a teacher myself, and when I run my adult programs, every year, inevitably, someone comes in with some of your books, and <laughs> they are they are like so important foundational to a lot of people's education on the land and we use your books often and as i mentioned before we started um i used your new book yesterday the scat finder book and like it, it's routine it's routine people come every year with your books and so like that's that's not too far from you but i imagine that like up and down the east coast of this continent there are folks always searching through your books for like, you've got the winter weed finder, the berry finder, the constellation finder, uh, track finder. So a guide to mammal tracks. And the new one is scat finder. And so like, these are all small books. Um, where's my ruler? The rulers are in the books. <laughs> so it's gorgeous by six inches. There you go. So they fit, they definitely fit in your pocket. I mean, you might wreck them, but they might fit in your pocket. And you just pull them out whenever you need them. And 
from so many field guides, you know, they can be brought into the field, but they are kind of bulky. These are perfect. These are perfect size. And I, I'm going to say this in the most kindly way that it's neurotic how much information is in here. You know, like there's <laughs> like, it's so good. I really, we were looking at the Scat Finder book um, yesterday and I'll tell the story because uh, we saw a deer in the river at work and uh, some of the deer kids called out. And so we, we ran down to the river and we watched this deer for a second and then they moved into the woods. And for most of the kids, that was it. It was over. But then um, one person looked at me and asked, you know, can we go track that deer? Can we go see where they came in? And so I said, yeah, sure, let's go. And we went um, through the mud past uh, some poison ivy and up towards a spot we call the Rocky outcropping. And then we stopped there. I was actually looking down at my shoe and she was, she just stopped because she saw a mink. And so um, we stopped, we looked in a hole that the mink had crawled into and the mink slowly like emerged just enough of their face to hiss at us and then pulled back in the hole. And we just sat there quietly, not moving for about 40 minutes, waiting for this mink to emerge and like consume whatever or run away or whatever. We saw these dead crayfish near the hole so we assumed maybe the crayfish were being eaten by the mink but finally when we got up and left we we went around the rocky outcropping and there in front of us was this red scat maybe less than a centimeter in diameter and um my student was like what is it it looks like poop and i was like yeah let's pull out the book and so this book was in my pocket the scat finder book and we used your 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 guide to minks because she had assumed a mink because we just seen one and we looked it up and we followed along and it was great like the the images of the scat are right in there in the book these drawings um the preferred diet the location of where they would be found um the contents and and it's just like everything that we we were reading the book reflected exactly what we were finding. So it was so handy to have this book right there, right then. And it was, it was amazing and really inspiring, I think, for, for my student. And for me, too. I, I have to say I was having a crummy day, and then I, we found the scat, and I was like, yes! So it was, it was great. But to get back to your book and your work, um, when you were when you were younger before when you started the master naturalist program what was the impetus you were already learning um and maybe some of the folks that you you started it with were learning but like what was available to learn about nature-based uh knowledge then and why did you feel like the master naturalist program needed to come about well first of all it wasn't that long ago it was 10 years ago Okay. And I had been teaching uh, natural history at our local uh, senior college. It's a program set up around the state where people 50 years old and older can um, teach each other. 
there's spring courses and fall courses. And, you know, one person is the instructor and they pick a topic that they want to teach and they teach it. And it's all kinds of topics. But I started doing natural history and people loved it. And I always set a um, limit of 15 because you can't. I always brought in specimens and things for them to see um, and touch. That's kind of what you have to do in early spring because there's there aren't any berries out and there aren't any flowers, you know. Mm -hmm. So so I was doing that and I thought, you know, I really enjoy this, but I'm reaching 30 people a year. What could I do? How could I make this? How could I have a bigger ripple? And I saw somebody who was wearing a vest and it said, Texas Master Naturalist. And I said, whoa. And I found out, I talked with them and then they read up and their Master Naturalist programs in almost all the states in the US. And they're set up very different ways. Some of them are associated with the university, some are with the um, Fish and Wildlife Department. And so I just called a people, couple people together and said, okay, I want to do this. Let's do this. Join me. Help me do it. And we did. We decided that trying to set up with somebody else was an additional step. We wanted to keep this in our hands. So we set up as a nonprofit, which allowed us to make decisions about what to do and where and how. And then we said, what does a master naturalist need to know? What do you think a master naturalist needs to know? Is that for me? Like to question for, for me? Yeah, yeah. Um, I would say, you know, like history of the land base, starting with maybe some geological history, um, uh, the cultural histories of the land base, like peoples who've inhabited that space. Um, I would I would go then to like learn your your trees and your your plants and then um, your mammals and insects. Uh, maybe I would also indicate like how do we how do we navigate different ways of knowing these things? And then yeah, I maybe maybe that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we didn't do all those, but okay. we do a lot of them. The geology, tree identification, summer and winter, flowers, plants, lichens, bryophytes, mammals, tracking, and skulls. We use those yes. two ways um, to learn about animal behavior. Insects, oh, there are more things. Ferns, I'm thinking of the collection. So we just, we braced, we were all coming from different um, venues, but all of us were involved in education and particularly natural history. So we had a lot of things we wanted to teach them and set up a, a year long program, meeting once a month, in the evening and then mm, a number of Saturdays for field. 
and it was perfect. We've been doing it, as I said, for 10 years. So we have volunteers pretty much around the state. We schedule our courses in various parts of the state so that people can do two things. One, they can learn, and they also come out of it with a cadre of associates. So when they want to do um, a program, they can call up someone and say, hey, you want to help me with this? Or need an extra hand when you lead this field trip or go into a school or go to a land trust or state park property and um, are sharing information. That's when, when I think about the course, it's something that I wish I had here. And yeah. like, um, I'm, I'm lucky enough to work for uh, the Guelph Outdoor School. And so I'm, I'm lucky that I get to, I just created a program this year, uh, a naturalist training program. But to have mentors to, to learn from and learn with, like a while ago before, before trying to do this all on my own, with just like interviews and books and stuff like that. I'm just so grateful that your organization that you've created can do this and, and pass this knowledge on. And like you said, like it creates ripples. There's this first maybe core group, but then you've got every year, the subsequent group gets bigger of these folks who are learning about and connected with their land base and teaching others all the time, including, it sounds like, uh, like school groups and, and groups of, of maybe elders coming through everybody's everybody's learning from this impact that you helped create 10 years ago. And that makes me very happy. As it should, as it should. It's such a, an impactful creation. And I'm grateful that y'all do that and really inspires me to figure out how do we, how do we do that in a, in a more concerted way here? Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I want to get back to the book. Dorcas and I was like why I have my own reasons but why a book about animal scat well you just your your story just says it all they're not you don't often get to see all these animals but they leave their sign all across the landscape and if you set your mind tune your radar to these signs, you can learn a whole bunch about what's going on in the woods or the prairie or along the shore of a lake. And my um, original way of, of teaching was to look at skulls and scat. And I finally figured out when I was writing Scat Finder that there was a piece missing in there and that's the digestive system. And you can look at the teeth of a deer or a beaver and see that they're, they're made for grinding, but no amount of grinding is ever gonna reduce um, bark or wood to uh, something that is what comes out at the end. So learning about the different systems that mammals have, herbivores and carnivores, 
and omnivores um, allows, allows it to all make sense. Did that make sense? Yeah, yeah. And I think that's, that's an amazing part about this book is that along with photographs or images, not photographs, sketches that you've done of these uh, scats that we might find, you also include a sketch of the structure of the skull, which uh, shows the teeth. And it also includes a sketch of the digestive system. And this is what I mean by it's so thorough in the information that's provided. It's not just here's the scat, here's what it looks like, but how does the scat get to be that way? So you're, it, it's not just, I found the scat and that's it. Now I've identified the animal, but what I'm always after is like the how, the why behind, you know, the ID. It's so simple to say that's a maple tree. Or, or that's a red maple or silver maple or sugar maple. But like now, why is the sugar maple growing here? Why is that silver maple growing here? And why isn't it a sugar maple? Why, why is the leaf structure this way? And why, why is the branching structure this way? And so to get that deeper understanding in a tiny little field guide that fills up, that has so much information, it, it's, I could imagine this, this, field guide is one of your course one of your classes you know like just right it's so good it's so thorough and it's something i wish for you know i'm not disparaging mark Elbrock. i've had him on the show when he released re-released the mammal tracks and sign we talked about the book but to to understand deeply um the scat alongside the digestive tracks is fantastic. In his other book, Animal Skulls, he does talk about, you know, the structure of the skull and what that can imply for the natural history. But to have it all in one spot, and, you know, I think that book retails here for about $60, and Scat Finder uh, retails here for about less than $10. So here's this really accessible way to get into that deep, profound natural history stuff. Such a great idea to include the digestive tract. It was one of my aha moments. When when you you've done the other books, uh, Track Finder, and like I said, a Constellation Finder, Berry Finder, and Winter Weed Finder. And when you were uh, working on these books, you had different illustrators, uh, Cherie Hunter. Day for the track finder, um, Ellen Amandelora for the winter weed finder, Shri Hunter Day again for the berry finder. But then for the this one for scat finder, you you did the illustrations. Was that like a new level of confidence or? Yes, though some of those um, books were done quite a while ago, and I had no idea of illustrating anything except for track finder I gave the illustrator the pencil sketches of what I want wanted for the prints and the trails when I was developing master naturalist I put together a lot of the um, student collections and I also pulled together handouts 
for with went along with each collection. And I didn't have somebody handy to do the illustrations. So I just did them myself. And then not, um, I didn't think they were publishable quality. They're just little sketches to make sure that people understand things. By the time I got to SCAT, a friend of mine who is an artist herself and, and taught art to K through five, she said, oh, don't look for an artist. You can do those. And I said, huh? I don't think so. She said, sure you can. Marks are just little, I mean, drawing is marks on paper. And you can do it. So she sat down with me and I just watched her draw her interpretation of otter scat. And I thought, gee, maybe I could make a lot of marks. So I did some of these illustrations many, many times until I got them the way I wanted them. And it was a great, it's tedious, but it was a great experience to be able to do that. That's why they're my illustrations in there this time around. They look great. And, and I think uh, from the scat that I've seen and uh, been able to understand and interpret as, as like who they're from, I think that your, your representations are pretty apt, you know, and like, I'm, I'm flipping through the book now and I want to also include that you have a section near the back on the pellets as well, pellets of different birds. Right. And uh, these, these drawings are really good as well. And then you have some, a couple of bird scats included like pileated woodpecker, rough grouse, Canada goose, wild turkey. So like, it's not just uh, the mammals. And, and I love, there's even the postscript scat of frog and toad. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, sorry. Oh, I was just like, well, why, why include the pellets? Oh, because they can look like scats. You know, the, the bird pellets, the cough, pe no, not cough pellets, the regurgitation pellets from raptors and uh, other birds that eat things with a lot of material that can't be digested. When they throw those up, they, they, they get the nutrition out of it and then they compact them in their gizzard and then they th throw them up onto the ground. And if you come by, you, you could look at it and say, that's short for a coyote or a fox or one of the mustelids, but hmm, I wonder what it is. And I've done that. Oh, okay, this is really disintegrated. Was it a coyote or was it an owl? And for the herbivorous birds, you can mistake those for, hmm, well, any herbivorous mammal. I mean, you can't once you actually look at them, but you have to be aware that they're there and they can fool you except for usually they have that 
paste at one end. Birds don't um, urinate. They concentrate all that waste. And when the scat, the dropping goes out, they paste it on the end and it's white. So if you see a long piece of what looks like uh, mammal scat and it has white on the end, then you'll know that's bird. And I put- I remember, sorry. Go ahead, go ahead. I, I remember that in a context of looking at a scat I found at the base of a tree and like, is this porcupine or is this rough grouse? And they're, yes. uh, at first they're very similar looking scat. And exactly. um, one of the, one of my teachers at the time, you know, said, look for that uric acid deposit, look for the white goo at the tip of the scat. And that can help you identify, you know, that it's rough grouse, that it's a bird. Mm -hmm. And so that was, that's actually really helpful. I put the pileated woodpecker in because it is so wonderful. If you see a tree that has, a, especially in the wintertime, because this scat is black, except for that um, end. And if they peck out and they eat carpenter ants, which pileated do, I know some people call it pileated, but um, you look around the bottom and often you can find among the chips, these little black tubes. And if you take them home or right there, look at them with a hand lens, that's what it is. They're legs and body and heads of ants. I remember, I remember finding that the first time in Algonquin Park and it's, I'm looking at the photographs now and they're just, it's amazing all these small portions of the ants. Like you can make out some of the mandibles sometimes, you can make <laughs> out like the leg pieces. It's incredible mm -hmm. just to open up the scat and find all these amazing things. Yeah. Scats totally reveal so much. They like, I remember we pulled apart uh, a weasel scat that had been deposited on a trail at work in the forest on top of a, an old cinder block that was in the mm -hmm. woods. And so it's an elevated position on the trail, mm -hmm. good spot for a weasel. And we pulled it apart and we found like the hand, right? Like, like the bony structure of a hand, the skeletal hand in the scat. And if any of the kids I was with at that point had thought otherwise, they were now, they were now like totally focused. They were now totally engaged because here is the, the, the remains, the obvious remains of another animal within the scat of an animal. And so it was so engaging. And then from that day forth for that group, Tuesday became Pooh's day. And it was like, we're always <laughs> looking for scat. And so that, that was the thing, because it's such a, an entry into that broader natural history, just to identify scat with people. That's wonderful. Such a lot of fun. Yeah. That's why we, that's why we need books like this, right? To, to, get into, to get into the scat. It might be awkward for folks who have not looked at scat before, but maybe it's that entryway. But I wonder, like, how did, how did you propose the book? Like, the publishers, Nature Study Guild publishers, an imprint of Adventure Keen. How do you, how do you tell them, hey, I want to write a book about poop? 
Well, I basically did that the same way I do a, any book proposal. And so I, I try and engage them with how this book will be an asset to their list, why people want to buy it, and how my book can will offer features that other books don't. Mm. And I asked them, I kind of surveyed what I put in and I said, okay, readers, readers will find the answer to these questions. Why is Bobcat scat packed with fur, but very little else? Why do some, well, why do rodents and rabbits eat their scat, some rodents? Why do some birds vomit? Okay, we talked about uh, pellets. Why does coyote scat contain bones and chips? Mm. And fox only has small bones. So there's a sort of, what can you find in these little packages? Oh, you know, I want to say, um, just as you know this, but as a general statement, you should be, anybody who's looking at scats should mm -hmm. handle them very carefully because some of them have um, pathogens that can kill you. And I talk about that uh, briefly in the book, but I just, it's not a great idea to go picking things up. Um, I encourage people to just look at them in place and then pull them apart with a stick or two and look at what's inside. Master Naturals by now has um, quite an impressive scat collection and everything is packaged. So there's no contact with the air or hands. It's a good idea. Um, I know there have been times where before when I'm not with the kids, I have pulled things apart with my hands after they've looked aged enough. And then I remember learning from some other folks I was out tracking with. And then in reading that Mark Albrock book, there's a list of some of the diseases and considerations that you should be making when working with scat. And um, one of my programs at the school, we, we've got a song. Well, there's a, it's a verse from a song, and it's mostly about dead stuff, but we've included the idea about scat. It says, uh, looking for some dead stuff, wandering the land. When you come across some treasure, use a stick and not your hand. And uh, just like, it's such a good idea. And I'm glad you include that in the book, that, that notice, because Sometimes when you get really excited about something, you're, you're not as uh, careful as you should be. And so it's really, it's a good reminder to do that. I had a question for you about the book too. Um, why you have, you have rulers on every page and I really appreciate that, but I'm used to uh, books written in the States to include inches more commonly than centimeters, but your book, more commonly include centimeters. What, why, why centimeters? Well, because when the 
editors at um, Nature Study Guild first asked me to do track finder, they said, we want it in centimeters because this was back in the early eighties and you know, centimeters were coming in. We, we were gonna go with that system. And it never, we didn't, we're still in inches and feet, but, I, but centimeters is a, a lot easier to, um, to compare. You know, something is, you know, 1.5 centimeters instead of saying it's adi adi um, fractions. Mm -hmm. I I would if I'm doing it over I would use inches but make use tenths of an inch I wouldn't use fractions I I'd all put it in a, a decimal point because it it has the same versatility that way. Mm -hmm. Well, I appreciate the centimeters. That's what I was raised with. So. Mm -hmm. Um, it's really helpful for me and something I've noticed in my, my tracking over the years is that in Canada, a lot of the older folks that are here, uh, and I don't mean too much older than me, I'm almost 40, so it's not like I'm young, but uh, folks that I track with who are maybe 20, 30 years older than me, they are more focused on inches Whereas some of the younger folks I've, I learn with and, and teach are definitely understand centimeters better. So this is in a way a book for the future in that regard, at least for where I am. Great. Yeah. Um, when it comes to your own naturalist studies, where, where are areas that you've, you feel strongest and what are areas that you feel like you've got some, some room to grow? Well, developing master naturalists meant that I had to sort of gear down and look at it from a student's point of view and put things together in a way that made sense. Our participants had to have some natural um, outdoor experience, but um, we wanted to take where they are and, and really move them far forward. And so that meant I was doing a lot of thinking. And when I put together the handouts, I put them together in a way that like these books, it just made the most sense. And as I was doing that, I was tuning up my own skills. And so trees, mm, identifying trees by their twigs, and leaf scars and so on, lichens, ferns, oh, I don't know. Um, I think I'll tell you what I'm not skilled in is insects and I'm not a great birder. I'm really mm -hmm. interested in bird nests, partly because it's it just, you can learn from Scat, and you can learn from nests a lot about a bird. And hmm, well, I don't know. I have I have a wide knowledge. I'm not an expert in any of them, and that's fine. Mm -hmm. 
I'm, I'm pretty much an expert at taking material and pulling it together and thinking about people using it and making it in either a handout or a book. And I'm also really always curious. When we go, my friends and I go out on our little nature explorers, we're always looking for something that's different. Just, oh, look, that's a little different. Why is it? How did that happen? And I make a point of coming home and finding out how did that happen. I think that's a great skill and technique. And I, I encourage my students to do that all the time as well. Like we keep a, a question book. And so it's, that, that's what I call our textbook. Our textbook is our question book. So every time we're out and we have a question about something, it goes in your book and then that's your homework now. That's, that's the work you've got to do is go research your question book mm-hmm. and then come that's back true. and share that with the group. So that's, that's, that's a helpful tool, keeping track of all those things that we just don't really know about. Do you have uh, any unsolved scatological mysteries, any things that you've, uh, or any stories that you'd like to share about a mystery scat that's confounded you? Oh, well, I imagine lots of scats have confounded me. Um, sometimes I, I get them into a category of this is either this or this, but I can't decide. And I, I just, with time, I may figure it out. I may learn more. I may read something that's different. I'm with somebody who knows that area. So some scats just remain mysteries until further notice. A friend of mine gave me scat because people collect this stuff and, and give it to me or send it to me. And she said, I found this very special kayak scat and it had porcupine quills in it. And I had never seen that before. So I found that truly enlightening. Mm. And you were going to say. Oh, I found a coyote scat as well with some seeds in it a while back and mm-hmm. uh i seeds were large they looked like little footballs and i was very curious about them and i think that was in 2018 and then only in february of this year did i sort out what seeds they were and, and it was it. just it, it took forever i i was talking to somebody and um they were talking about a hickory that they found some hickory in, in some scat. And so I was, Oh, I'd seen in a book that hickory kind of looked like this seed that mm-hmm. I found back in the day. Can I send you the photo? And I sent her the photo and she's like, no, that's not hickory. That's ginkgo. Oh, and ginkgo. so, yeah. So she, so it took like, and it was amazing because she was so nonchalant, like didn't understand that I'd been seeking answers to this scat forever. And then all of a sudden, like she just busted open. I'm like, wow, that's ginkgo. So now I have to figure out where the closest female ginkgo trees were. Um, And and it realized, you know, like, oh, it's actually less than a kilometer away. So it's not that far that the coyote had been traveling and found some ginkgo and ate it. But it's beautiful that some of these mysteries can really, even if we like say we're out using your book, you know, we find some scat. We might not understand everything. We might not see it all, but 
the mysteries, if we keep holding on to them and keep going back to them and keep researching either passively or actively, then when it finally does come, it's such a reward. That's so true. Yeah. That, you know, the, the other thing about Master Naturalist is all these connections that we have with um, an entomologist and uh, this person and that person. And I think particularly um, for the seeds, I belong to a group called the Jocelyn Botanical Club. It's one of these old fashioned clubs from more than hundred years ago where you had to be sponsored to join. And we go out on mm, forays into the woods and look for things. And this club was originally set up for people who were very good botanists. And now it, it has expanded to include people who are very interested in botany. And so I know I can take items to um, several different people and they can, I said, okay, what is this the seed to Eric? What does that look like to you? Mm. That's, yeah. a, that's a good resource. Yeah, and I've, I've just gotten in touch with people in the state system, um, the natural uh, areas, agencies, and said, so, okay, I saw this, and I can't figure it out. Can you tell me about it? And they're really good about responding and explaining. So that's cool. That's a good idea. If anybody's listening and you, you get this book and you find the scat, you can't figure it out. Um, I mean, here in Guelph, where, where the show is broadcast from and hosted, uh, you've got the University of Guelph Biology Department, the Veterinary College. You've got all sorts of resources to help sort out the scat that you cannot find um, with the book, or you cannot determine who it may be um, just from the book alone. Because I've found, I've found so many mystery scats. It's, it's great. It's so much fun. So it's nice to have that community of folks that we can learn from um, when the books just, just can't cut the scat. Dorcas, <laughs> is there any books that you're coming up with in the future? Any other project? I know this just came out. Is there anything else though that you're thinking about what you want to publish next? I can only say that I've been looking, Master Naturalist has a federal permit without which we could not collect anything having to do with birds. Mm -hmm. And we do have that. Um, we can pick up salvage uh, roadkill and use them in teaching. Yeah. So. Um, so I, I've had the ability to look at a lot of nests and I, I won't say there's another book, but I'll just say I'm really interested. Sounds good. Well, you've been quite prolific thus far um, with, with these field guides, with your other publication work, with the main master naturalist program. And I'm, I'm so, so grateful that you've dedicated so much of your time of your life to teaching others about the land base. And I, I'm so grateful because it's, 
it's not just them. Like we said, you know, it's not just them. It's everyone they go on to teach, everyone they go on to inspire. And that trickles through and, and just spreads. And that's the kind of, we need folks who love the land, who know about the land, who can teach about the land now more than ever to be able to, to, to save the land, you know? So I'm grateful for your dedication to this work. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. I, it's been a real pleasure. How many people can I talk about scat with? No, that's cool. As I mentioned earlier, I just want to thank Dorcas Miller again for taking that time to, to teach, to learn, to teach, and to share uh, what she knows of the land. Um, it's amazing. It's so cool that someone spent so much time, so much work over the last 10 years alone to, to like really develop these programs. And then before that with her other programs that she was a part of, to really spread word of, of the beauty, the uh, intricacy and the, the complexity of the land base and to do it in such an approachable and fun way. So I'm, I'm dearly grateful for that and for sharing stories here on the show. Um, if you wanna find out more about the book, um, it is Scat Finder, a guide to mammal scat of Eastern North America, put out by Nature Study Guild Publishers, or uh, which is an imprint of Adventure Keen. So you can go with adventurewithkeen.com, adventurewithkeen.com, if you want to learn more about the book and order it through your local bookstore. Uh, if you want to know more about this show, you can always go to the website to know the land dot com um, and check out there's more blog posts and old episodes of the show lots of interviews and book reviews and uh maybe even a couple of shows on scat definitely blog posts definitely some blog posts about scat which i'll probably even link in the show description and then if you ever want to get a hold of me you can email me at to know the land at gmail.com let me know if you have any critiques, criticisms, ideas, uh, references that I might find useful. I'm always into that. I'm always into hearing from people. If you want to, I mean, there's no pressure. Uh, this show runs on really uh, okay equipment, always looking to do better. Um, and I'm always open. And someone, sometimes folks are really generous in giving donations to support the show uh, i don't get paid for this i don't this is all labor of love but if anybody wanted to i would not say no and i'm happy to receive donations so if you ever want to think about that to know the land.com forward slash donate i think that's it that's all take care <laughs>